Greetings, everyone. I'm Rena Sackett, Director of Member Relations and the ASHP Staff Liaison to the Section of Inpatient Care Practitioners here at ASHP. Thanks for joining. I'm excited to share with you that today's episode is a curated feature focusing on medication safety as a part of the exceptional programming from the 2022 ASHP Major Clinical Meeting. Please enjoy the voices of your colleagues as they share the latest clinical information, leadership advice, and medication safety best practices. Good morning, everyone. Thank you for coming out at 8 o'clock this morning. We appreciate that. I appreciate that. Uh, Sure. Uh, so, you know, the intent of the material I'm going to go over for maybe 25, 30 minutes is to talk about what these concepts of highly reliability organizations are. You know, when I hear this term, I, I view it as one of these terms that's up here. Like, oh, it's meant for the C-suite people. That's not for us. That's, you know, the leaders have to worry about being high reliability. It's up to the leaders to take care of that. And I'm going to try and make this more apply to you because I think everyone in this room at some point in time is going to be a pharmacy manager or a pharmacy leader. It may not be today or tomorrow. But at some point in time, you have to have an understanding of what the principles are so that wherever you work down the road in five, 10 years, you can start applying what they mean. So you'll see the definitions on the slide. Uh, it's a condition of persistent mindfulness within an organization, uh, cultivates resilience by relenting, uh, relentlessly prioritizing safety over other performance pressures, creates an environment in which uh, potential problems are anticipated and detected early, and it's also an ongoing process in an organizational frame of mind. And there are five basic tenets. I'm going to go over each tenet one at a time to give examples. Because I think the other problem I have with this material I read all the time is they don't make it applicable to the real world. Like you're reading like, okay, yeah, I'll be more preoccupied with the failure. Uh, what's that mean? So my tenets to explain it, because all of these items do apply to you today, working in a pharmacy or being leaders outside of the main pharmacy. So we're going to go over in detail what a preoccupation with failure is, uh, the idea of uh, having a reluctance to simplify, sensitivity to operations, deference to expertise, and a commitment to resilience. So what is preoccupation with failure? So right now, think about what could be going wrong where you work next week. Is there something going to go wrong where you work next week that you're probably aware of, that you know it's coming? Something's not been going right, and something's going to go wrong pretty soon, and you know it, all right? That's what this is about, is proactively looking at what could be going wrong. And I think the other big tenet here we have to understand, and you have to share with your staff, is the fact that you know, there's always going to be medication errors, all right? That's probably the first tenet of this, is that um, knowledge and agreement that there's always going to be medication errors here, where is the next one going to happen? If you don't believe that, you have to have a total mindset change. There will always be errors. So where is it going to happen next? So if you have that thought, you know, industries that are highly reliable are like the nuclear regulatory agencies and the airline industries who have these high um, preoccupation with failures, knowing stuff's going to go wrong, and they also use information from staff to inform them about that. So, these, so in this position, you would be uh, more alert to signs of small problems. Knowing a small problem may create a bigger problem. And I will go over this many times in this presentation, but it's my impression from pharmacists now who do a great job at putting out fires. I mean, really. I don't, I don't know anyone could put out a fire bit of pharmacists, right? Here's the problem. You fix nothing with that. You fix nothing in your organization with that fire you put out. You put out the fire, don't get me wrong. 
right? There's 100 other fires over here that people are throwing buckets on. And every day, it's the same fire is burning every day. Well, what has changed with all the calls that you've made? What has changed in your healthcare organization to prevent errors based on those calls? So in some ways, you already have a preoccupation with failure because that's part of a pharmacist's job to identify problems when they happen. Now, the problem is, is that you're preoccupied with catching the errors that already happened versus preoccupying yourself with what could happen predictably. So that's a big difference there. And the third bullet is the other key thing. Just because a report doesn't come in that day, you've had a good day, you didn't make many phone calls, that does not mean nothing's wrong. Please, it's healthcare people, okay? It's all the hospitals that you work at. There's problems there every day with medication use. So get, you can't like, uh, put your feet up on a chair and your arms behind your head and say, that's been a great week. We've only had three airports. We must be doing great here. I'm guaranteeing you, you're not doing great there. There's some place you're just not aware of that's having, having struggles as well. But also, la uh, last on the slide is, uh, we've always preached about looking at near misses. Those close calls, there are opportunities to learn about bigger problems. Let's use the example as a pharmacist working uh, in the inpatient pharmacy. Te pharmacy tech fills something, right? And you catch the error. Something's wrong. It's supposed to be drug A, uh, but she pulled, they pulled drug B. You had them fix it, and off you go. So what are you going to do next time globally about that type of information? <clears throat> Knowing that there's going to be wrong drugs pulled in the pharmacy every day. So how do you gather that information and what do you do with it? And I'm not suggesting that you fill out air reports for all this stuff, but I am suggesting that there's some method that you kind of glean the data to then look at the big picture. You look at the big picture of the pharmacy. And today, we filled 10,000 doses today in pharmacy. What was the most common thing that we pulled wrong? Could anyone tell me that answer in this room? What's the most common thing that was pulled wrong today in your pharmacy? And it was caught in the pharmacy, it was fixed. I didn't say that the pharmacy. And the other, because the other delusion world we live in is if, if nurse catches it, that's a wrong drug error. But if we catch it, well, you know, it's just it's one of those things we fix and go on type of approach, right? But there's still the same thing going wrong. So how preoccupied are we with that type of failure? Knowing it happens all the time, but well, how are we gathering data to actually address that? So to apply some of the principles for a preoccupation with failure, you know, can you anticipate the next error waiting to happen? You mean none of you here have worked a day who thought you saw this error coming a mile away? You never worked in that situation. That you knew something was coming, coming and hit you down the pike as well. So anticipate what could happen. Um, I think another thing, question's not on here. I'll get to that to the end. Uh, do you practically assess risk through medication use process? And I say that second bullet, not just pharmacy. You know, medication use is not pharmacy. Pharmacy is a part of the medication use process. They are not the medication use process. Because that means oh, everyone in this room needs to know what happens during med reconciliation, documenting the med reconciliation, handling all the prescribing errors and, and, and flubs that happen during order entry and verification, all the things that happen when a drug gets to the floor and where it gets stored, how it's administered and how it's monitored, et cetera. That's all the medication use process, right? So, you, at some point in time, when you become managers or even now, need to expand horizons. Uh, it's not just pharmacy. I think many of us in here complain about the silos in healthcare, but yet we, we're, yet we promote the silos in healthcare. But say, oh, that's not my problem, that's nurses' problem. You know, it's our problem, because what we did wrong could be affecting nursing. How do you know that? 
Also, you've used small breakdowns in your processes as signs of danger. You know, maybe things have been going fine for quite a while, and all of a sudden something went wrong once, then something went wrong again. Shouldn't that pique your interest like, well, this process is perfect this whole time, like what's going wrong? So it's that preoccupation with failure. Every little thing that seems out of whack, go after. It doesn't maybe have to be you, by the way. Why not pharmacy technicians? Have a pharmacy technicians in some of these roles as well to identify the risk. Um, it also promptly act on that information based on what you have as well. Now, you're not going to fix everything you identify, you're not going to fix right away. But at least you should be aware of it, somehow keep track of it. Maybe it does not go into air reporting program, that's okay. But how do you know over a 30-day period these things that you were told about that's not reported? How much do you know in, from huddles that don't end up in air reporting programs? I'm going to tell you it's probably double the volume. Right? You're, get, you're told, and I'm not saying you're not doing anything with it, but keep in mind the last sources of data we'll talk about later here. Uh, number two, a reluctance to simplify. Resisting to simplifying your understanding of the processes. Yes, and again, the MedUse process, as I said in the last slide, is pretty large. And you're, you're sitting in the middle of it. Now, if you're in an outpatient setting, kind of different world, because you're in a pharmacy and the doctor's office is over here, the nursing home is over here, so it gets a lot more convoluted because you're not in the same building. Uh, but you also, you should, regarding not wanting you to be, uh, not wanting to simplify stuff, you need to really seek underlying rather than surface explanations. Meaning, if something went wrong in the pharmacy and, the, and Natasha pulled the wrong drug off the shelf. Well, if you study, if you ever do, like, say, root cause analysis as an example, every human error has a preceding cause. Natasha just didn't pull the drug off the shelf wrong. There's other things that are going on here. What was that? If you just stop and say, well, Natasha screwed up, Natasha, yeah, read the label next time, that'd be nice, right? That doesn't solve anything. That's not a solution. You just, all you do is embarrass her, and it was just a human mistake. That accomplished nothing. She'll talk about that a little bit later as well. So, you know, say uh, things got mixed up in the ABC machine, and you send a tech down to fix it, and that's, everything's all, all well and good. There was a complaint about what's in the ABC machine. We had to send a tech down. Things are somehow out of order in the wrong bins. Tech fixed it. Great. Again, you put out a fire, you have no idea why the fire happened. What started the problem? So well, you need, a more, uh, need more curiosity of why things are happening. Things in medication use and errors are a lot more in-depth than a single layer down. Right? Now, sometimes when you hear about root cause analysis, you hear about the five whys. I'm not going to say you're going to be doing the five whys for this. But you need to keep asking, well, well why did you do it that way for? Well, why are we doing it that way for? Well, why is that happening? Those are probably the fundamental questions you need leaving this room. With any, any type of event that happens, whether it's reported or not. And the last, you have checks to catch mistakes, but then you don't address the original issue. Again, uh, technicians fill things, pharmacists catch them, you fix them. Okay, great. Great job. So what about the next month? Did anything change based on what you caught the month before? What are, the, what, are the most, uh, what are the five most common pair of drugs misfilled in your pharmacy? Could you get that data? Uh, maybe some of you barcode scanning in the pharmacy could get that data. But how do you know what that top five is? So in the meantime, since you don't have that number, what, what do you do? You put stickers on everything, you tom and letter everything, and you try to segregate storage, which are all nice but very low leverage strategies that may cause more harm than good. Third is a reluctance to simplify. 
so, and another thing to add on to this is even that you see the first bullet sounds contradictory, but sometimes to be reluctant to simplify, you should be standardizing your processes, which in a way simplifies things. But keep in mind, I guess the reluctance to simplify is the easy knee-jerk reactions of, oh, this, this thing went wrong, oh, well, the nurse just screwed up, it's the nurse's fault. Errors are never that simple, anyone. They're never, ever that simple as well. And also, these people, these people in this organization appreciate the complexity that's inherent in a number of teams and processes. Think about everyone that works where you work and all the meetings you go to and all the people they touch. How big is that net of people that you know? So you got a lot of viewpoints, a lot of people to work with, a lot of different perceptions of what's right and wrong, especially with nursing. What's your relationship with nursing here? Anyone, anyone here have a positive relationship with nursing? Uh, it's great to see the hands up. For the people who don't have the hands up, talk to the other people. Because that's the first step, is having that relationship to, uh, to break down that silo to realize you're working together on this stuff uh, to help improve safety. So you can, um, so to apply reluctance to simplify principles, you know, the need to look at the big picture. So I teach a course at Temple School of Pharmacy and Risk Management. And one of the things I have to kind of get over to them and explain to them is what the medication use process is. Do you have a, a flow chart in your organization that displays chronologically the flow of medication use from start to finish? I would suggest have a great resident project. Draw that out. What, is it, what does it look like when an, an order comes in, when there's med rec, uh, when an IV has to be made, when it gets taken to the floor and stored? What's that flow chart look like? And I'm telling you, especially people working in dispensing farms, you would greatly appreciate that to really, I'm telling you, you learn a lot by doing a flow chart. I can't stress that enough. A very simple exercise probably would take you half an hour of time with other people in the team who know the process. But you have to be able to look at the big picture, sky-high view of uh, this med floating around in your organization. And where is it going? How did it get there? Why is it there? Why is it stored there? How did it get there? That's discontinued. Why is it still sitting there? That's a neuromuscular blocker. Why is that not segregated from other things, as an example? So, yeah, so do you know all the steps in your med process? Now, I'm talking nuances. I'm talking order. Say you had to enter an order. What are all the steps in entering an order into the system? The steps in listing, uh, all the steps that take place after labels print and filled. Um, in the Temple class, I in a, teach a, class, a course on uh, FMEA for one week. And we talk about FMEA for one second, thermometer effects analysis. The breakout period, I have students who are usually predominantly outpatient pharmacy come up and flow chart part of the med use process in outpatient pharmacies like the CVS Walgreens. And the second half, determine all the things that can go wrong in the steps in the process. Um, and within 50 minutes, we'll easily identify 50, 60 things that can go wrong. And, the, and that's in a, in a breakout exercise class at Temple for 50 minutes. So can you imagine what you could identify? So the very rudimentary thing, you've got to get down to the bones and know, really know the med use process. If you're going to work med safety, anyone in this room, you've got to know your processes uh, from how people get weighed or to how allergies are updated, um, et cetera, how drugs are given and stored and pack you. That's all your job responsibility. Don't assume that the, there's a simple, simple answers to anything uh, in this process, because remember, the minute we think it's simple, all of a sudden a staff member gets changed out and it screws up everything as well. And as mentioned earlier, we also have to have an understanding of why things happen. 
also to apply a, apply a reluctance to simplify principle is the first bullet. Uh, when you put a simple, easy strategy in place, well, this error happens, so let's educate everybody. That solves the world's problems. Let's hang a poster, everyone. Posters do the trick, right? And, and posters don't do the trick. Uh, and also email. So when email, an error happened in pharmacy, we had you know, a really deadly mix-up that was caught. So we emailed staff, we hung a poster, and we educated everybody. Will that same error happen again? Absolutely yes. So you people who understand that in this room have to understand the knee-jerk reaction is educate everybody and make a poster. That is not, I'll ask the question, when you leave here today after Natasha and I talk, how much of this presentation will you remember in a week from now? Oh, don't listen. Yeah, remember her part but not my part probably, right? But the key thing is you'll remember 10% of the presentation. So you go back to the hospital to educate somebody, what do you think they're gonna remember? 10%, and so again, now what you did was, you didn't have a system fix, you instead added something else that the staff have to remember now. Right, so you just, now you just made it worse. Don't forget to do this, add that to the 50 other things I have to remember to do each day. Don't think that you only need to address one thing, as by the way, is there's never a situation where an, an event happens, it's simply one contributing factor or one root cause. Is never ever, and my favorite is when people think, oh, this error happened because it was a look like vial. Okay, well, yeah, I don't argue that contributes to the problem, but what else caused the problem? How was it stored? Did it really need to be there? You couldn't separate it? You couldn't somehow differentiate the product, et cetera? Do you have barcode scanning in place to catch the mistake? There are a lot of ways to catch some of these. We often default to, oh, names looked alike, we're done. It wasn't our fault. And it's never, it's never that simple. So each proven patient care creates an awareness of new risks and meaning to address. Sensitivity operations. So those who are managers and leaders in this room, how well do you know operations? Now you may have worked operations 10 years ago, and I remember, I used to work, I remember, remember the days I had to make IVs and put the labels on, and we did the syringe pullback method back then. Remember those days, right? But that's not today. How attuned are you, are you to the frontline staff? When I say sensitive operations, yeah, managers, you also need to know the medications process, front, backward, and forward as well, and have a situational awareness. You know, understand the context of the current state of your work in relation to pharmacy and your organization. You know, for leaders, what's going on around medication use in your organization? You need to know that. And nursing's gonna tell you, no, no, we got this, this is a nursing issue. And the answer is, no, 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 it's a medication issue, I'm part of medication uses what's going on here, and get involved to help out both sides. And also, how does the current state support or threaten safety? And again, especially between nursing and med units. Listen, we had a lot of people raise their hands today, but many people didn't, and there's still that silo of, oh, it's them. And if you, those of you who read airports know, you'll see examples of airports that come in from nursing that are really complaints about pharmacy. And pharmacy reports that are complaints about nursing. That solves nothing. Nice, if you want, call it, if it's a complaint hotline, call it a complaint hotline and have them go over this way for that. Save the learning stuff over in this side. One thing that we've learned too with um, looking at large sets of data ISMP, like at a patient safety organization, and when you look at hospital submitted data, you know the best way to tell a hospital's culture? Read their event reports. 
clear as day. Read the event descriptions in your hospital reports. You will know what the culture is like. Because these type of reports start coming out, you start getting reports about, well, I didn't do it. I, or the reports would be, something happened to a patient with a DOAC, they bled, and the report's basically saying, well, I didn't do it, just let you know. Just let you know it happened, it wasn't me. And that's the report. You know, don't learn from it. Uh, so applying sensitivity operation principles. Um, you need to get staff to work together. I think many people in this room have that now, but do you now have morning huddles with pharmacy staff in this room? <coughs> Anyone have some huddles? You have some huddles, right? Those are, big, those are a big deal, everyone. I mean, that's, they're just starting to come around, but just have that morning meeting for 15 minutes to say, okay, what's going on today? What do we have to worry about today? Any concerns from last night? Any questions that you have? That's it. Now you're also showing staff that you care and hear what, what, what they say. I can't stress how, how big a deal that is for the frontline staff, by the way. That's getting staff buy-in by listening to them. So all the huddles, daily check-ins we just talked about, but also addressing the issues that lead staff to lose situational awareness. So we, you know, we're going to say we want people to be more situationally aware, which is a nice catchphrase, but you know, for some of the understaffed nursing departments, it's a little hard to be situationally aware when I'm short two staff. My COVID unit's full, right? So think about this interruption and distractions that A, nursing leads to, or causes us as much as the distractions that we are causing them as well. And I think another way to figure that out, I think the best way to learn from that is as pharmacists, whether you're old or new, spend a morning med shift with a nurse. Take a morning and follow a nurse on a med round. So you know what the process is like. Why it takes so long to find things? Why can't they find the drugs in the fridge for? What takes so long to give a drug? I give them a call, they'll get back to me an hour later. Why is that? And nursing thinks, well, I just call the pharmacy for a drug. Why does it take an hour for me to get an aspirin tablet? Well, that's why you have nurses involved in, in pharmacy orientation and have them in the pharmacy, just so you see both sides of the coin and also get, you get to put na names to faces. You actually know people now. You remember people. I'm telling you, from a collegial perspective and getting you to work together, that's a very simple first trick, especially when they're newbies. That's the best way to do that. Next, deference to expertise. Uh, appreciating that the people closest to the work are the most knowledgeable about the work. In pharmacy, which, which staff are closest to the work and most knowledgeable? Yeah, pharmacy technicians. How are pharmacy, pharmacy technicians involved in the stuff we're talking today? No offense, they're doing a lot of the work. Do you hear their voice? They're compounding the IVs, they're making the hazardous drugs, they're splitting the tablets, they're labeling, pulling, delivering, storing on the floor, pulling EC meds, looking for dangerous storage conditions on the floor. How are you using that information? That's a great source of information by talking to your techs. They, they, believe me, they know what's going on on the floor more than you ever will. So I'm just, all I'm saying is tap into that. They're already doing that, uh, but I have many pictures I don't have in this presentation of really poor drug storage areas out on units. And my quote I always put in these presentations is, that's because there's a lack of pharmacy oversight. And there is, a total lack of pharmacy oversight of what, how drugs are stored out in the unit. But the tech is there, the tech could be the one identifying that work where there's a neuromuscular blocking agent stored in the middle of everything else, unlocked. 30 ml vials of epi, 10 vials of epi sitting in the emergency department counter. Techs can find that stuff. So what, how, are we how, are we, how are we deferring to their expertise as well? So yeah, listen, there's gonna be some de-emphasis of hierarchy here. Hate to break it to you, now it's not this ladder approach, it's gotta be a little more flatline. 
because again, it's make it more equal, that sometimes the whole ladder approach does not work. I mean, I, I, in pharmacy, I don't think it works well because it tends to be this separation of, there's a deference to expertise, but also a lack of knowledge of what's going on down below once you've gotten out of the pharmacy field. You make sure everyone shares their concerns as well and that staff are comfortable speaking up. So in this organization now, to raise your hands, how many of you are comfortable about speaking up about potential safety programs or problems wherever you work? That's awesome. How about your staff? Would you, all your staff raise their hand? Okay. And so there are perception surveys to ask that question, but make sure that is, that is solved first. The way you raise your hands for me is great. Ask when you get home. And here's the thing, sometimes we have the perception that, oh yeah, well, I believe that. Sure, everyone believes that if I believe that. And so there are tools like the AHRQ um, survey on perceptions, maybe a nice survey tool to try out just to see what the perception of working at your place is. So applying deference to expertise principles, number one, I can't, I think it's comical to me that number one's not done. Listen to your staff. When we go on hospital consults at ISMP, the best trick, you want to get some good stories out of people, by the way, you know what the best trick is? You walk up to a nurse and say, hey, nurse, you know, when you go home from work tonight, what really keeps you up about working at this place at night? Like, what really concerns you that something bad's going to happen? What is that? And you're going to be shocked what you hear. I would even challenge you to make a survey, anonymous, a one-question anonymous survey where you work, asking that question and see what answers you get back. You want to identify risk quickly with medication use? You'll get those answers in one day, all you'll need for a year. Ask. In the situation, I've asked the nurses questions, the nurse manager stands beside me like, well, no one ever told us that. You didn't ask them. Some people won't speak up. You know, some people in this room won't speak up and raise their hand, right? People at work won't speak up unless you ask them. And they also, they know that you'll listen and care about that. So that means empowering staff to examine issues. What, what are, how can we empower techs to do some of this work for us from med safety-wise? From look like names, unsafe storage issues alone, they're already out there storing things as it is. That's just the next step. Pharmacy residents can do great research work in this as well. We talked about huddles earlier. Um, always have a questioning attitude um, about why we're doing things. So tell the techs and the other pharmacists, listen, if you feel odd about something, it doesn't feel right, say it. It's okay. How many times have you guys caught errors in the pharmacy because you just had this weird feeling like it just didn't seem right, right? So encourage people to speak up on that. That's okay. And share those stories too. You know, we're talking about gathering all this data, share those stories as well. Which also, again, kind of reiterates the deference to expertise. But you're also gonna need a good culture for all that work. If you don't have a good culture, and Natasha will address that later, poor culture means forget my presentation, what I did the first half hour here, okay? That's really important too. And talk is cheap. Actions speak louder than words in that situation. Lastly, a commitment to resilience. And sometimes I get a little uh, perturbed when I hear organizations tell their staff, well, you should be more resilient. That sounds like to me, upper management saying, I don't know what to do, why don't you be more resilient? And I don't really agree with that, uh, that thought process. But this is from an organizational perspective to be resilient, meaning stuff's always going to go wrong, everyone. You think you solved the world problems this week? Guess what? There'll be new drug out next week, new technology out a month from now, brand new staff coming out in two months. That's going to muck up everything you just did. So you've got to be resilient knowing there's going to be changes coming down the pike. Um, 
and you obviously understand, have a fundamental understanding of the unpredictable nature of system failures. Soon, always assume people have a mistake, and always assume your medication use process is at risk. So consider performing many assessments. You know, ISMP has many assessment tools, but what you can do is take our assessment tools and take just parts of it. Take five elements out of the opioid part of the hyalur assessment and assess your organization on that, or on anticoags, or on insulin use, or neuromuscular blockers, and do a test to see what, how are we doing with our processes associated with neuromuscular blocker use as well. Um, but also make sure you identify and respond to small system failures quickly before they get bigger. Well, it seems like a small thing, and again, make sure you differentiate putting out fires from actually fixing the problem. All the fires you put out as a pharmacist has not changed a single thing in your organization. I'll guarantee that. You got by today because you answered the question today, but you're still getting the phone call tomorrow from someone else. And the same phone call a week from now, that has not been fixed. That has to be addressed and fixed. So as an, uh, you know, identifying risk in an HRO can take many matters, but I think the key thing is in a high reliability organization, it should be more proactive. We still all have this knee-jerk reaction of, well, let's wait till something goes wrong. And I, know, I know you don't say this, but it comes across as, everything's fine, everything's fine. Oh, my God, we've got a report. Did you see this? Oh, did you see what they sent us today? Oh, my God, we've got to address this. Well, can we stop that for a second? Instead, come in and look and then think about, okay, so what's probably going to go wrong today? Let's see what's good, what may break down today. Why are you waiting for the report to come in for all you are is chasing your tail. Again, and like us, many pharmacists, that's just putting out another fire for today. Oh, I got a report. I uh, looked at it. Yeah, Natasha screwed up. Whatever. Close. Next. And that's all we do. That's not helping anybody either. And again, so consider self-assessments. Ask staff be proactive. But also, lastly, before giving Natasha, you know, it's not about just reporting errors. It's about reporting your concerns. How do you report concerns? What concerns you where you work? How do you report that? It could be your reporting program, whatever works for you. I think if you can do a survey, everyone, do a three-question survey. Therefore, you can probably get bar graphs. If you standardize some questions, you can probably get some nice, simple data, three-question survey. It's segregated from air reporting and get a lot of people's concerns that it would never have told you because they didn't have time to fill out an air report. So on that note, pass over to Natasha. Thanks so much for listening in today. Be sure to follow us at ASHP Official wherever you listen to podcasts and check back soon to hear more featurettes from the 2022 ASHP Mid-Year Clinical Meeting.